ังโมทัสสะปะกวะทูอาราตุสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะปะกวะทูอาราตุสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนโมทัสสะปะกวะทูอาราตุสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะพุทธังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสสะเราไม่ต้องเป็นผู้ที่ถูกฆ่าตายเพราะว่าเราไม่ต้องเป็นผู้ที่ถูกฆ่าตายเพราะว่าเราไม่ต้องเป็นผู้ที่ถูกฆ
and burning through all our bad karma. Now that, that there is a concept like that in some of the world's religions that you inherit all this bad karma and you've got to suffer a lifetime after lifetime and burn it all out. Buddha went along with that view for a while and tried it and then we underwent tremendous austerities and suffered a lot when what they call tapas the word tapas is austerity in, in, in the Indian language of the time and actually the word tapas means austerity but it comes from the root word tapa which means fire and so you put yourself under these extreme austerities of fasting and, and standing on one leg and, and getting around without any clothes on and standing on your head and whatever uh, humiliation and frustration to uh, to burn off your bad karma. Sometimes people walk around, human beings walk around on fours and on their hands and legs like animals, thinking that they're burning off their bad karma. And as I said, the Buddha did for a while go along with similar views, but then refuted them after his realization and said, actually, that's not uh, that's not the way to freedom. That if we train our minds properly then said one moment of clear seeing, one moment of right understanding can render a lot of karma invalid. We can cut through, in other words, we can cut through the karma. It's not the case you've got to burn through at all. And a lot of the suffering that we experience is the result of, of the, the wrong views that we have, the wrong understanding we have, like, for instance, the idea of me, solid, substantial, ego me, being a fixed personality, and the Buddha pointed out that if you can just see through this wrong view and, and undo that, that misperception, well then a lot of the consequences of past action that, that normally would be, would be reaped by a deluded ego basically become uh, invalid. And so I, well, I don't want to get too heady and complicated about it, but I did want to raise this up for contemplation. It's been on my mind lately for various things that have have come to me. Somebody rang up and was talking from the other side of the world, out of the blue. I haven't heard from this person for many, many years, and suddenly they rang up wanting to talk about a dear friend of theirs who had had left and disappeared, and they'd never seen them again, and and they were having a lot of trouble coming to terms with this departure, and and trying to be philosophical about it. He said, "Oh well, obviously he's got he's got a different karma. He's gone off." On, a, on, a, on another route but the way that he was talking about it it sounded as if there's nothing you can do about it got your karma and that's it And so I want to say that the Buddha refuted that view that we're victims to our karma there is something we can do about it we can, at the very least we can create more wholesome karma there's unwholesome or what conventionally called bad karma the unwholesome tendencies that we have the unwholesome intentions we've had in the past and do have results technically the result of karma is called vipaka so there's a karma which is the action or the intention behind the action and then there's a vipaka, the results the cause and the effect to put it rather simply so because of the unwholesome causes we've created in the past there are painful effects and, and the Buddha did say that it's important that we are able to accept that this principle holds true right across the board. This is irrefutable, uh, even if we don't see it's the case. But it doesn't mean to say that just because we're receiving the results of past unwholesome karma that we're victims to it, because we can always do something. We can always learn from it. 
we can always learn we can't learn less it's always helpful to remember that you can never learn less we can always learn everything every situation that comes up we can be learning more and so even if we're reaping the results of past bad karma we can learn from it now some people just think of karma as like luck which is very superstitious I had an unlucky day I don't know if you read that story recently Mr. Tong in Hong Kong you read the story in the news Mr. Tong had an unlucky day the uh, first thing he was a taxi driver the first thing that happened was his mobile phone was stolen bad luck the, sec- the second thing that happened was a turtle landed on the roof of his taxi and dented his taxi there was this turtle crawled out the window of a high story in Hong Kong these high buildings very high I don't know 16 stories or something. and this turtle crawled out the window clunk and fell down unlucky turtle Actually, that was karma. It's not luck at all. You know that, that that turtle had obviously done bad things in the past. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> we don't know. But but anyway, this turtle fell on the top of this uh, taxi and dented his taxi roof, and that's that was really frustrating because apparently, according to Chinese uh, mythology, every time you encounter a turtle, it's supposed to be good luck. He couldn't quite make this out, Mister Tong. It was a uh, he was apparently quite puzzled by this, and the poor turtle. Well, actually, as it happened, he he obviously had sort of maybe she, I don't know, had some good karma in store because all that happened was crack the shell, and he or she was all right. And I guess they've got the technology in Hong Kong to weld the shell back together again, and so maybe that turtle will live for another hundred or two hundred years or something. But there is this, this idea of luck, or it's a very fatalistic view that. They were just victims to fate. He was just a lucky sort of guy or a lucky sort of woman. And well, from the perspective of the Buddhist teaching, the, that's in a way not the most responsible view. Sometimes monks used to come and see Ajahn Chah after a few years in the monastery, and they say, "Oh, Ajahn Chah." My good karma's run out, and uh, I can't stay as a monk anymore. I'm going to have to disrobe. And the idea being that if you can ordain as a monk, it's, it's obviously you've got a storehouse of good karma. You're very fortunate to have the opportunity to become a monk, and it's a sign that you've obviously got good karma. You get this wonderful opportunity, just the same as if you get born into a wealthy family. That's that's obviously good karma, and uh, or if you're healthy and good-looking as a result of good karma. This is the views that are conventional views that are held, not necessarily always accurate. And so the idea being, well, my good karma has run out, and so I can't stay as a monk anymore. And Ajahn Chah used to just look at him and say, well, what just makes some more good karma? My good karma has run out. I mean, what a stupid thing to say. I mean, can't you make any good karma? I mean, that's, that's the thing to remember. I mean, yes, there are situations where we might feel like our good karma has run out, but the results of our past good karma has run out. But we can always do something about it. At the very least, we can be patient. We can say, I'm going to be patient with this. And that's, that's making good karma. Or we've often spoken before about generosity. You know, sometimes the problems that we suffer in life seem so in, just so unsolvable, just so rigid, so fixed, so solid, so me and mine. 
is my problem it just seems so real and sometimes that contracted fixed painful experience can be undone by generating the good karma of generosity what happens is if we're self-centered and self-referencing all the time I become the center of the universe I become too important terribly important the only important thing I become fixated on myself and so that when I have got a problem a big problem I can't see my way out of it because I am the problem and everything I look at is me and my problem and I obviously don't have what it takes to solve my problem that's how I got into my problem in the first place and that's how I can feel and one of the wonderful things one can do about it is just go and be generous do anything go and give some sunflower seeds to the birds to start off with or or some water to the cat or bring your mother up or smile at somebody even if you don't mean it one can, you can always do something and I mean, being generous doesn't mean to say one's, one's got to donate a thousand pounds to Hana Monastery sewerage system, although that's all right if that's feel inclined in that direction. <laughs> that doesn't mean that. I mean, you can just, anything. There's always an opportunity to give of our time or of our attention or sila practice. Sometimes if people feel they have remorse and sadness in their life and regret, for having done things in the past and they wish they hadn't done but all of us have done things we wish we hadn't done and and some of us feel like we'd do anything to go back and undo those things but we can't, that's gone, that's finished but some of those things that we did in the past that were unethical or compromised our integrity and naturally to the centre of remorse we can say, oh I'm a victim to that bad karma I'm always going to suffer as a result of it well that's not true we may have to feel the feelings that come from having acted unskillfully in the past, that may be true, but we can support ourselves through that by generating wholesome karma, by, by cultivating impeccability, really, like with the practicing sila, by really being careful about speech, not to lie, and, or with our action, to be really careful what we do with our body. And in so doing, we generate more good karma, more wholesome karma. I don't know if you heard or read about that young American chap, I think Aaron was his name, who uh, had a climbing accident out in some canyon it was a few years ago now. We were talking about it in the community over breakfast uh, before the retreat started, and he got his arm trapped, and I, for some reason, rather had this idea that he... <laughs> that he, um, he ate through it. <laughs> I don't know where I got that idea from. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was wrong anyway. I was reassured by everybody that he, uh, he cut through it. He cut his own arm off. Now, uh, you probably all heard this story. It's, it's, it's pretty gruesome. But it's quite a good story in a way of determination to not let yourself feel like you're a victim to your karma. Because he was quite upset. I, I followed the story up and I found out that, you know, what actually happened to him. He, a young man, very adventurous, and but he went off hiking on his own and climbing down a ravine. And, and he was going down this ravine, there was a big boulder that he stood on the edge of the boulder and as he moved off the boulder, I mean the boulder probably been there for six million years or something, but as he leaned on it forward, he moved it and then he dropped down below it, I don't know, 12 feet or something. And just as he dropped down below it, this 
boulder came tumbling down towards him and he put his arms up to protect himself and uh, first it crushed his left hand and then it pinned his right hand to the wall it, right here his wrist it just pinned it to the wall as I squashed his wrist and there he is stuck to the wall very unhappy camper very unhappy and he didn't know what to do about it uh, he's on his own I don't know if he had a mobile phone, but if he did, it wasn't working out there in the middle of the desert. And he got very upset about it for a while and apparently uttered a few expletives, and uh, that didn't help. And so then eventually settled into looking through his alternatives. Nobody was going to find him because he was hours of days from any other people. And he wasn't expected back. He had left a report where he was going to go, and he wasn't expected back for a couple of days. So he was stuck there. As it happened, it ended up that he was stuck there for five days. Five days in this ravine, pinned to the wall. And on day three, he decided, okay, this is it. And he, he, uh, he wasn't going to die. He took out his, he had a knife, one of these knives that, that climbers have. And he started to try and hack his arm off. But it was a very blunt blade. And then he realized, well, if the blunt blade can't even get through the skin, What's it going to do to the bone? And I hope this is not too much for you. But, um, but it's, it's a good story. I mean, and he worked on it. And, uh, but he, he tried hacking and he couldn't get through the skin even. So he gave up on that. And, and he only had one litre of water, which as any anybody knows, out in the desert. And it was very cold at night and hot during the day. One litre of water is not very good. So it wasn't long before all he had was his urine. He was having to drink his urine, which actually is not so bad. But... For five days, that's a bit much, really, isn't it? But he was very determined. That was the thing. He was very determined. He wasn't going to be a victim to this. And so he kept at it. And apparently on the fifth day in the morning, he was flailing about in fury at his predicament. And then suddenly he had this epiphany, this, this realization, this profound insight that he did have the power to get himself out that what he had to do was throw himself against the following wall, the opposite wall, and his body would fall at such an angle where it would break the bone in his arm, because that was the problem. He wasn't going to be able to break the bones once he got through the skin. And he was in a state of ecstasy at this realization that he had the power to save himself. He wasn't a victim. And so he did it. And first he broke one bone. Apparently there's two bones in there. Is that right, Doctor? Apparently there's two bones in there anyway. Anyway, whatever, he had to do it twice before he broke through the two bones. And he was so happy. Or maybe it was down here. Yeah, Maybe it was down here. There's two bones here, isn't there? Anyway, he was so happy that uh, he got to it with his pocket knife and managed to eventually break the skin. And he got out. He got out. And, and he, for him, it was an utterly blissful experience and profound spiritual awakening. I, I thought, well, as an example, I wanted to share this with you in case you hadn't heard this story that whenever we feel that we're a victim of our past karma and we're about to just lay down and just say, oh, it's my karma, I'll just take it. Well, to remember Aaron out there having his epiphany in the, in the canyon and just saying, well, you know, we don't have to just lie down and take it. There's always something we can do about it. Now, to be honest, I don't know that I could have done that and I'm surprised I can even talk about it because it's it's not very pleasant really. But... But I do think that we have to be careful with 
allowing ourselves to fall for this idea of well, I'm a victim of my karma. As we chant, I'm an heir to my karma, owner of my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma, abide, supported by my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, for good or for ill, of that I will be the heir. Yes, that's true. But that doesn't mean to say, no, nowhere in there it says, I am a victim of my karma. We always have the power, we always have the authority, we always have the possibility of engaging it in a way of taking responsibility and saying, okay, well this may well be karma. Who knows? And that's another thing that I think is rather unfortunate. There's a sort of new age idea around these days. Somebody wrote to me about it recently, I think they said, they had read a teaching that said that all come, all sickness is caused by karma. And I quickly wrote back and said, well, if you want, if you want to believe that, you can, or something to those effects, but that doesn't accord with what the Buddha taught. That that's not true, and it's not, it doesn't occur to me to be a very kind thought to have, because whoever you are, wherever you are, if you get born, I mean, the Buddha died. That doesn't mean to say that he died as a result of bad karma. The sickness may have been caused by bad coming, but they're all bodies going to die. Bodies die, that's normal. Getting sick is normal. Getting a cold is normal. Like, and talks about the causes in the scriptures, it talks about the causes for illness. It says, one sickness, if you take medicine, the right medicine, you'll get better. If you don't take the medicine, you won't get better. Another sickness you take the medicine or you don't take the medicine you're not going to get better because it's karma some sickness is caused by karma but some sickness is not caused by karma and uh, so to hold on to the idea that all sickness is caused by karma is not uh, well from the Buddhist perspective is not accurate but it's also not very kind we don't know the truth is we don't know all sorts of things happen and uh, it may be karma that caused it might just be accident it's also one of the lists, one of the you know, in the list of the causes for things to happen, sickness and so on. It, says it could just be an accident, or it could be the change of the elements. Like at the moment, the elements are changing, and the winds are blowing through Northumberland, and the leaves are falling. And if you're out there without proper clothing on, the winds and the temperature, the fire element in the body will get depleted, and you could easily uh, get ill. And that doesn't have to become one. It's just the change in the elements. So, to uh, raise this up for contemplation, the, the understanding we have of karma, and not to fall for the idea that we're victims of our karma. That whatever we're experiencing, yes, there may be a karmic cause for it, but we can always create more karma, more wholesome karma, to support us and sustain us through it. At the very least, we can be determined to learn from whatever's happening. So thank you very much this evening for your attention. Mm.